Hey everybody, welcome back to Endure, the Athlete Story. On today's show we have James Walton. James is an elite Irish triathlete. He's one of the top triathletes in the country and has multiple podiums at national championships, including an aquathlon national championship. He was junior national champion and was second in 2019 at the senior sprint national championships, to name a few. James is also a triathlon coach and runs New Meta Coaching, they provide coaching and most recently VO2 max testing for people based in Northern Ireland. So it's a great service and he's a great coach and has a lot of experience and tells us about that as a junior and getting into the sport and his quick rise to success in his first few years in triathlon. So he's got a lot of advice for young young athletes and, and older athletes as well, but his um, story is something that I think people can take a lot of value from and his coaching advice too is brilliant so hope you enjoy this episode again leave a review share it with your friends it would mean a lot this show is brought to you by EJX2 Coaching I'm a triathlon coach with a background in sports science I provide lactate testing for anyone based in the northwest of Ireland and hopefully we can get more of that up and running again with the covid restrictions lifting so if you're interested in getting tested or getting some advice on training or maybe some coaching please feel free to get in touch i'd be happy to help you out you can contact me on ejx2coaching at hotmail.com or you can drop us a message on facebook or instagram at ejx2coaching so thanks everybody for tuning in and listening really appreciate it really enjoying doing the show so Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy the show. Cheers. Um, James Walton, welcome to the, the Athlete Story. How's things? Yes. Cheers, Emmett. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, no I'm all good. I'm all good. Buzzing to have a wee chat. That's it. Where are you at um, at the moment? So probably the same as most of us. You're locked, locked down at home somewhere. I, unfortunately, so I live at home at the minute. I'm um, just chilling, not really doing a while lot, to be honest. Um, as I'm sure you know yourself, like just yeah, <laughs> not a while lot. How's the the last year, I suppose now, um, of lockdown been in terms of for as an athlete, as a coach, and in your other work, what's that been like? Aye, it's been a bit. It's been good and bad, like, um. So this time last year, like, was when it all kicked off. Hmm. Um, so I know at that time there was a bit of a scramble. Like, for me, racing-wise, I had no goals because I was aiming to do my Masters and finish that in the summer. So training-wise, I was just training away. Coaching-wise, like, I suppose it was just a bit of a, a scramble of, like, flip, you know, where our race is cancelled, like, pools are closed, what do we do? Mm-hmm. So um, it was trying to, a bit mad, just trying to support everyone I was coaching like really well to make sure we kind of kept motivation up and kept working and then um so for me then as an athlete into coming into the winter i sort of hit with a bit of fatigue um i don't know what it is um some sort of horrific fatigue can't like i'm just knackered these days um every day sleeping 
10 hours every night, um, exhausted, can't train, wrecked from a, a short walk. So training-wise, I'm not really doing a whole lot. But coaching-wise yeah. then, um, just flat out, to be honest, um, because like whether races are going ahead or not, all the ones I'm working with anyway, like we're, we've still, we set some big goals, do you know what I mean? So um, just flat out coaching, setting up a sort of physiology testing business. Um, and that's just been it really, just working yeah. away like in the last year, really. So you, you see you're chilling, but there's, you have a lot going on there. You're, uh, um... I know, chilling, but uh, I, not really, not doing any exciting stuff anyway, just, just working yeah. away like. And, um. You mentioned, and take you back, James. You mentioned uh, your masters. So, you're you've got a degree in sports science, is it? Um, yeah. So, undergraduate degree in sports science, and then a master's in sport and exercise physiology. Yeah. Um, so, just finished that there in September there in 2020. Good stuff. Um, and then from that, you've launched this new, new. Um, we'll talk about this a bit later, but a new testing service um can you talk a bit about that or uh well i so starting that now i don't know i can't really give a date whenever lockdown eases up like but mm. my master's was in sport and exercise physiology so it's all to do with physiology and testing and metabolic analysis um so now like i'm actually taking what i've learned in the masters and what you do in the lab at uni mm-hmm. and i'm just actually doing it myself do you know what i mean so, so trying to kind of give a service to people that wasn't really it's never really been out there. Do you know what I mean? It's only really yeah. been available to elite athletes. So now I'm, I'm taking what I've learned and actually yeah. putting it into real life. Good you know? Sounds good. We'll touch more on that uh, in a wee while. But so that's where you're at at the moment. But if we just go back to how, how you got involved in sport or got involved in this passion for coaching and the career path you chose, what started it off? for your sport uh i don't know well, i always played sport like always kind of did that as a kid um mm-hmm. i've done like swimming running cross country gaelic and um, a bit of irish dancing in there as well um <laughs> some boxing um and then uh sort of when i was like 16 odd i think i did my first triathlon triathlon when i was 16 but i'd always been a super sort of solid swimmer like not any good but just always swimming yeah uh, and played gaelic so I was like, oh, I'll give a triathlon a go. So I did Row Valley Sprint Triathlon. I think yeah. I was like 15, 16 at the time, my first triathlon. Um, and uh, I had a shocker race, like um, uh, like the night before or the day before. Um, I like drank a whole two liters of water because, like, I don't know, I was raised to, you know, before the night before like, a big football game, yeah. Yeah, I drank a pint of water and all this here. So I had a two liters of water eating like pasta like an hour before the race like sort of michael scott kind of performance there like and then had just a shock of a race like um massive stitch five minutes into the run um didn't know how to pace it just terrible but then i loved it like mm. i mean i finished the race and i was like ah, buzzing like absolutely mm. buzzing so um pretty much just took it from there i suppose and started training a bit more for triathlon yeah. and then ah, here i am uh, pretty much have, uh... I have a bit of a story about that, your first race. I don't know if I've ever told you this or not, but uh, was it 2012, your first race, Lama Valley, Row Valley? Could well have been. I don't know. I think it was, I it was, think it was around the same time, like a week apart, the Liam Ball triathlon was the next week. Uh, it's always and, around um, the same time, yeah. So that was my first race I signed up for, and same as yourself. I was 
very little training beforehand. Uh, was doing a bit of swimming at the triathlon club just for fitness, for surfing stuff. And people sort of said, oh, this is coming up. Give it a go. So I'd done it or signed up for it. But the week before Lima Valley was on, so I was like, I'm going to go down there and see what a triathlon is. <laughs> I never really <laughs> seen one before. I was like, I'll get an idea of what way it works. Uh, and hope, just get, down. get the experience of it. So I went down and was watching and the pool and it was goes through the heat heat one or wave one wave two and whatever and then came to the last wave and there's this wee boy just flying up and down the pool and i think i think i remember i think he swam 9 30 something for your 7 50 uh, it was decent like that was classic like young james like you know like i used my gaelic training to yeah. improve my running for it like this is like the level of training i was doing and i didn't actually go to gaelic training so like I didn't do any running and the swimming, I was like, I'm good at swimming. So I'll just attack it. And then, yeah. you know, came running out in my swim shorts and threw a vest on top and yeah. a pair of like trainers and on the bike, like, so. Because yeah, the mind then like, it's like, it's probably Peter Jack or something over the mic saying, oh, young James Walton from Triangle Triathlon Club. He's only uh, 15, 16. I was like, shit, this boy's good and all, whatever. And then like. <laughs> all these people came out in front of you on the bike and then you come in the bike with your vest on your swim trunks and then away in the run and for our first races as you say it was a first race it was just it was just an experience but uh, an experience uh, so that was the first time i ever came across you but what was interesting then was like the next year i mean you come billion ball and you like you were unbelievable from one year to the next year like I think you done a 104 or something, was it, the next year? And uh, like, it was decent enough. You were in top, that time. top four or five overall, like, including the seniors. So you really took that out, like, from that year, from that first race, the, the following year, what was so, what did you do to get to get uh, that level? Well, I got the bug, like, um, I don't think I did any more triathlons that year. I think that was it. Mm. And then... Um, so I went, I left school, I think of that year, went to tech up in Derry and like I live a good bit away. So for me, it was like, I got, my, my ma dropped me into the bus in the morning, got the bus up. So on the way home, get the bus from Derry to Limavari, get off, I'd walk to my ma's work. I get changed into bike gear and I'd cycle home. Hmm. And I did that like four days a week. Um, and I do the odd run, like two runs a week, maybe. And then just swim like five times a week as like normal as I always yeah. did. Um, was that what I the club what I was doing? Or the swim uh, that was with the swim club, club yeah, with uh, Corey and swim club. Um, and I didn't know what I was doing. Like I just enjoyed training, and I get on the bike, and I literally I'd blast it. The second I hit the road, I was flat out, no warm up. You know, try, time trial home every day, like, um, and then like, sure you know yourself, you do a bit of basic training, like you get fit, and then yeah. show up the next year, did a wee bit better, um, and then I got a coach then at the end of that summer. Yeah. And that was Shannon Conley, coached you as well, I think, for yeah, a while. Yeah. And, and then from there, trained smart and then, like, sort of took off there, really. Yeah. Because you had some, like, very good performances then. And you got on, like, the, the Triathlon Ireland development team or the elite, elite junior squad and did some training camps with them. So, how did that next part of your. Can you tell us about that? Like, how that panned uh, out? Well, that was. So that would have been the year after my first one. I so I did that whole year of like cycling home from my ma's work and just getting fitter, not really knowing what I was doing. 
mm. won the junior national championships at Crooked Lake that year. Um, and uh, I think they sort of Trath Ireland noticed me probably from yeah. that. And then did a few more races that year and uh, had a decent enough year. And then Trath Ireland in the winter were like, you know, sort of bring you on to the junior sort of program. Um, so you know it was called junior academy or something at the time i don't know and then, so we did like training camps they're pretty good like you think it was like maybe two camps in the winter one in october one in like november time mm-hmm. um where you just like even it was like me and darren dunn I remember darren was there um i think james edgar was there um david fox was another one a bunch of ones who aren't there anymore like but um yeah. sort of a few weekend camps and mm-hmm. then the triathlon and took me out on a training camp to um Agias in south of spain then that winter it was just mm-hmm. before christmas i think um it was like a 10-day camp so went out there um and who was on that at the time like russell was out there arne o'brien um i can't even remember half the names there i think laura wiley was there was another one so there's a good good uh sort of crowd of us out at that one and then following into the next year i went uh and raced for Trath and Ireland then as a junior my first junior race in Holton um, and mm-hmm. I have a picture actually my sort of claim to fame now it's like me running out the swim in that race I had a shocker race like I'd been sick in the two weeks leading up to it um, came out it was like 30 degree heat they changed the race race was meant to be earlier in the day but they moved it to later because of the heat mm. and I came running out and Alex Yee was like right next to me and there's a picture of me so like that's my sort of claim to fame do you know what I mean I'm just you're, as good as I'm do you know what I mean you, you like, were beating Alex Yee at one stage in a race Ah, exactly. So, I mean, I'm basically just as good, if not better, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, did that there, had a shocker of a race, because um, that was an eye-opener. I'd done draft legal racing before, Yeah. and I hadn't a clue what I was doing. Like, I just got blown out the back of the bike, um, and uh, well, that, that was that was good. Like, it was a good experience, sort of drove me on, and then from there, um, just kind of kept racing away, like. And did that experience um, of international or like even European racing like motivate you to do more? What was your oh, I, your vision then? Nah, was it to go on? It drove and... me on. Like, um, like it was an awful race. I had an awful race. And Darren Dunn was out at the race and he had a terrible race as well. Um, so me and him were sulking away that night, huffing, just like, oh, God. So upset. Upset the whole way home. Like, as if, I don't know. Like it was the world champs or something, you know what I mean? Um, like so young and naive, but did that there. And then see just being around, like the likes of Darn and Russell was out on it. Chris Minturn was out um, and Carlin was out as well that race, I think. Um, yeah. And being around them and like listening to their mindsets. And then you're standing there and like, you know, you know, I think Christian Blumenfeld was there that year as well. Maybe there's like a couple of big names, like, yeah. And you see how they train and how they prepare and you're like this is class i want to do this mm. so you come home even though you had a bad race and you're like buzzing to just yeah just get better do you know I mean just train yeah. again you realize how how high the level is compared to racing in ireland yeah you, you've got to like get that to that next level like so it's a massive motivator like yeah. absolutely yeah and like as a junior and even maybe you could give some advice to some young athletes listening how do you overcome that you can sort of put on your coaches hat than your your experience you talk from experience here but like how do you get over a bad race and whereas as you say like in one sense it could be demoralizing if you look at it negatively that everyone's so much better than me and i'm not at this level and 
this isn't even a big race and I wasn't doing well, but how do you bounce back from that? And like you did then progress even more and come through more as a senior athlete and become more dominant. How does that, how, uh, how do you do that? Well, I'll tell you one book I read, it's called the, it's called Black Box Thinking, I think. Um, so it's to do with like the black box and airplane and how, like if you make a mistake as a pilot, the black box will pick it up and mm-hmm. the snake mistakes aren't bad. You know, if you make a mistake, like the black box will pick it up and then you won't make the mistake again and you'll learn yeah. from it. Yeah. So like, I don't know, I, I remember traveling to a race in England. It was the university championships and I read the, the book on the way there. I got disqualified at that race. That was another great <laughs> race. Like, um, but I wasn't like put off by it that time around. Like I was yeah. actually pretty buzzing because I had a good race besides getting disqualified, you know? So yeah. I kind of realized like for anyone who's doing a race like and you have a bad performance don't like don't get upset or annoyed about it like well, have your moment like you got to feel frustrated have your 20 30 minutes after the race and then uh and just accept it like there's nothing you can do it's done you know what's done mm-hmm. is done and just learn from it um and that's all you can do do you know what i mean like you just you know go into the race and do the the best you can do control what you can control and then if you have a bad race you have a bad race you as long as you learn from it yeah you note down why you did well and why you didn't do well um like you'll be grand that's just keep it simple and just uh just learn from whatever mistakes you made you know yeah and as an athlete who came through like a junior ranks in triathlon ireland and you continue now to be um racing locally mainly what do you think it's going to take for ireland to produce a world-class athlete uh like triathlon like ireland has like phenomenal athletes like if you think if you look at you look at someone like swim ireland right now and what mm-hmm. they're doing mm-hmm. like they brought in i think it was ben higson from scottish swimming and created like a hub for swimming and uh like properly supported each of their swimmers and set realistic goals and pathways for them to progress through to each of the levels um like, so you see Swim Ireland are doing it, right? So we know Ireland can do it. Athletics yeah. Ireland are, are killing it at the minute. So, like, there's definitely the talent in Ireland. I think it's just, I don't know, it's just having the, the support for athletes. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think when I was a junior, like, we had good wee weekend training camps, which is good. But um, I don't know. Like, you look at somewhere, like, when I was in Leeds there for two years doing my master's and you're training in the Leeds Triathlon Centre, like, mm-hmm. that's one hub in the whole of, the uk out of like five or six and in that hub there's three or four coaches mm-hmm. and there's like i don't know 30 40 athletes um and uh like, eh, those athletes had that support do you mean whereas yeah. like for me coming up as a junior and i'm sure most other juniors and triathletes in ireland will agree like you kind of just left to your own devices you kind of train as a bit of support but you kind of just train away in your club and then if you make it you make it and then if you don't you don't it's kind of like um, I don't know. I think like the Limerick high performance unit they have down there, like they don't have it at the minute, but they did have it for a couple of years. Like, and um, that was, I mean, you look at what it produced, yeah. like yeah. the Con, Doherty, and Eklund, and um, Darren, and Kieran Jackson, and Chris Minter, and like all those guys came out through that yeah. Limerick high performance unit. So um, I think like they just need to put something in place to support the athletes, give them somewhere to go. You know, yeah. you see Hop Hop the minute sort of setting up that kind of hub as well. Mm-hmm. And those guys perform well because 
there's other athletes to train with. There's coaches 24-7 there to support them. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's, it's absolutely doable. You know, other sports are doing it. So, yeah. I don't know, trash you say, like, the same. We have a lot of good athletes, a lot of good young athletes. Like, you show up to these races, and there's 16-year-olds that are podiuming and senior races. There's <sighs> 18-year-olds, and, like, you're going, where do these come out of? But then you're thinking, oh, you're going to see them racing internationally or whatever and it just seems to be there's not that execution of getting young athletes to the next stage and maybe it's um like our triathlon is still like in its infancy really well i say that but it's it's got a long history at the same time in ireland and but it just feels like there's as you say like a hub or a or somewhere that is just like a hive for triathlon and they, they produce and produce more athletes uh, i mean they, like they other it. countries are doing it like it's the the step up from junior to under 23 is big and yeah. the seniors bigger again like so it doesn't matter where you're from or who you are like it's the step up's big like yeah um unless you're a young superstar like it's going to be difficult but yeah. like there's so many companies are out there showing that like you know you create a, a bit of a hub and you you set up the support you know you have coaches and you have physios and you know you don't, you don't need all the fancy nutritionist yeah. and snc codes you don't have to have that you mm-hmm. just need like you know a good place of like-minded people and um, working together like and you'll and, you can do anything and the belief would you say you need the belief like you see oh ah, yeah like see like in leeds there like the the atmosphere is so i don't know it's chilled like it's so chilled out like you're showing up to sessions and like, see the open water sessions we did there, like, I'd show up and, like, we're standing on a pontoon doing sprint starts and, like, Gordon Benson is to my left and then you've got Johnny Brownlee and Alistair Brownlee and Alex Yee and Jess Learmoth and Lucy Hall. I mean, the list is endless of, like, yeah. you know, world champions and medalists or whatever. But, yeah. like, it's just, it's just a chilled atmosphere. But at the same time, everyone has their clear goals and the coaches are, are chilled but also super supportive. Mm-hmm. And they, just, they all have a belief of, like, you know, why can't, like, I absolutely can win Olympic gold, like, why yeah. not? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I'm training with Alistair Brownlee, he's a yeah. gold medalist, so, like, yeah. I can do it if he can do it. Definitely. You know I mean? it's, so it's, I think it's creating that atmosphere and then giving that belief to them. As you, you do say, that there, like, the sky's in Ireland it feels like maybe, and you'd know more than me, like, scattered, like, there's a, even in your time, usually there's a good group of junior elites and under 23 elites, but like, as you say, they're all, and that's, I don't think you put all blame on like craft in Ireland or anything like that, but because it's people's choice, whether they stay at home or they're willing to move for university yeah. or they're willing to leave home, that sort of thing. But like you see it with the Joe Folio group, like that's a group of world-class athletes, but when they're together, they just seem to even do better. And um, definitely. Uh, I think it's just giving them the choice. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You're saying they're like, you don't have to go to a, you know, have to stay in Ireland, like absolutely not. Um, but it's just given that choice. Like I think the prime example is you're at Limerick a couple of years ago, like yeah. and producing some pretty class athletes. So we know we can do it. Do yeah. I mean it's there? It's just it's just uh, and hopefully like what Gavin's doing with Hop Hop and um like it it'll draw people there yeah, if exactly. they want if that's what they want to do and make the decision. At least at least as you say, there's something there. It has to be there. If it's not there, it's it's not gonna happen. But um exactly. and even with the Norwegians and the rise of them in the last few years, you hear them talk about like, like that's one city 
in Norway and Bergen, and you have like Gustav Eden, Christian Blumenfeld, Starnes. You have best in the world, like you have the female athletes, uh, Stina Dahl, and um, a few others. Like they're all from that same area, and they just they're just taking over. Or they're on the rise, yeah, and they're all like very they're young. Just, exactly. Now they and they've just got a, a smart coach. Do you mean their coach is great? They've got yeah. and they're in a wee group, and it's like they just kind of believe it. Like you know. Blumenfeld was a young sort of um, superstar. And I think yeah. those boys training with him were like, all right, well, if he can do it, then yeah. I can do it. And yeah. they've got Gustav Aydin coming through. And do you know what I mean? So it's just, I think it's just setting up that atmosphere yeah. again, that kind of group thing and supporting them. And then yeah. like literally anything's possible, you know? And again, that belief, because I've heard from that Norwegian coach, Harald Feiten, I think his name is, he's like, when his athletes talk about him, they're like, he tells us that we can be, world champion he's not training this to like obviously they're stepping stones but he's not training this to say oh you can be the best in your country or your town like he's saying you can be the best in the world letting them believe that and i think within ireland we need that sort of belief as well i, I think ireland always see themselves underdogs or like that's uh, maybe for someone yeah. else to do but and it's it's great to see and support like the athletes that are on that pathway of like the Olympics and stuff, Russell and Con, Caroline Hayes, and like you want to see them do really well, and you want them like they have. Hopefully, they have the right support that tells them you can do this. Like you're in a great position, and they have the yeah, patience exactly. and the enjoyment just to get there, and not. You know, I mean, you look it. at swim, bike, run right now. Swimming, like you look at the last world champion, the last world championships or Europeans, like. Um, like Shane Ryan and, and those boys are up there like they're competing for medals yeah. and then um, you've got like cycling like Sam Bennett best yeah. sprinter in the world right now <laughs> you know easy yeah. and a lot um, of other and then yeah. you go to like athletics and you've got I don't know how many are in world championship finals and, and meddling mm -hmm. and it's like I mean like the talent's there yeah they have the support so yeah absolutely I think if triathlon in Ireland sort of gets the right support in the next few years like there's a good yeah. few coming through and we could, you know, maybe see a few Olympics, Olympians or Hopefully. medalists, you know. Hopefully. So, right. Hopefully. Um, so just then, um, James, you're, you continued the race. And as we mentioned at the start there, you have some national champion podiums to your name, um, national champion, your national champion, Aquathon, junior national champion. Like you went on to be pretty dominant in in the, the Irish national the whole scene. Like, um, what was that like when you're at that level of like confidence going into races and you're definitely one day one day watch? Or how did that feel? I uh, it's I don't know. I I don't really think too much about it. Do you know what I mean? It's just like um, I don't know. You kind of go into a race and just like as I sort of do with myself or anyone I'm coaching, you don't really think about the end result as much. It's just like, right, we'll just break it into segments, go through the process, do what you do in training. You know, you do it day in, day out, and don't treat it any differently. Just go in and do it and mm -hmm. uh, break it down and then sure, whatever the end result will be, it will be as long as you've given a, a good effort, like that's the end result. Yeah. Um, and that, that's sort of, that's how I approach it all really. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't really let it get to your head too much. I think um, what I noticed about you is because we were in a, a training camp a few years ago in Italy, 
for a week or 10 days uh, and um like you were at the time where it was like a few weeks out from the city Derry national championships I, and, it was national champs yeah, yeah yeah and you were in good shape in that season you've been going well and i was like for me i was excited to go out and train me for a week and see the way you train that sort of thing and like you say we're coached by shannon at the time so we're on the same schedule that week but it was just uh, good to uh -huh. do the sessions with you and stuff but like as you say it's nothing fancy it's I, from what yeah. i took away from you that week it was like like you would come on from the bike and like you were just like regimed in terms of there was no mess and there no faffing about within like five minutes of coming on from bike you had like beans and toast on and you had beans like and your, toast your, your, your and and toast you like <laughs> Yeah, tuna sandwich. You would just had whatever, but simple. But you were just so like uh, proficient in terms of session done, recovery, feet up for the next session. And I think it opened my eyes in terms of like not doing anything out of the ordinary. You're not doing anything fancy. You're just doing the session that was planned, and then recovering and just doing it well uh, every day. And I was just like, like it was just the simplicity, but the effectiveness of it was uh well, i think i got that there as well like when uh so like when i went to leeds i sort of went there not gonna lie for triathlon like i know i went yeah. to do a master's but like triathlon was kind of the, the big motivator like yeah. um well i sort of went there thinking right i'll get answers here do you know I mean yeah. i'll find out yeah. what's going on what are these boys doing yeah and uh it's just so simple like see all the years of swim training with clubs and running and biking and triathlon you show up there and it's like they've got for swimming we've got like a, a simple four zone kind of system for dictating your speed mm -hmm. and it's purely off effort like there's no times there's no yeah. part rate it's just like we'll go easy for 400s and then i want you to go hard for 450s mm -hmm. and like that's it and then mm -hmm. biking it's just like right we're going to do a few laps you're going to do two laps hard and then like a lap easy running we're going to do like a build run of like five minutes like a little harder and then another couple of minutes harder and it's like i don't know there's no fancy gear there's no fancy sessions like Mm -hmm. and it's just as long as you show up every day yeah and you just do the session like and then sure look how many olympic gold medalists have they got over there do you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah, and then i i came out and had my best year ever off the back of that yeah um so like you say like it's just simplicity you don't have to overcomplicate mm -hmm. it like just yeah. keep it chilled like, you know the new like technology is great and heart rate monitors parameters lactate vo2 which is great and great tools but at the end of the day they're only supplementing doing the basic work and like, right. like i'll tell you Steve, when we did uh open water sessions yeah i did oh it was it was bliss i didn't hear a single garmin oh it was class like you didn't you know you shot the open water session all yeah. year is we like you know that beat with a garmin yeah. when they pause it and they start it not a noise not a watch to be seen the yeah. same at swim sessions in the pool like to even run sessions there's no like just do the yeah. session just get it done yeah do you know what i mean so i uh, it's it's good they see like the both things because if again if we use the norwegians as an example if anyone follows them on strava or instagram it's lactate that's power stride meters and the runners power meters in the bike feel too and it's good and for yourself probably and for me like sports science background yeah i'm interested in it and I'm, i want to like know about it yeah. but at the end of the day when you look at the training they're doing sample sessions they're doing 
50 minutes for 60 minutes worth of threshold work broken up recovery intervals they're recovering after sessions and they're doing it day in day out and they're getting it right so it, yeah. in one sense they enjoy it and obviously they're on board with it and then you hear someone like alistair brownie talk about it and he's like he knows his body and he's doing maybe not the same thing but he's doing the same thing in terms of training that works for him and recovering from it and he's doing it daily uh, no, it has its place. Like, do you know what I mean? Those boys, like, like Alistair and them ones, like, they're doing the right stuff, but at the same time, in the background, they've got yeah. this sort of support. Like, they're doing the testing in the yeah. lab, and they've got all the data on the bike. Um, But I just think, I don't worry about it too much. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's in the, the problem, session, I think. You know, I think people kind of uh, focus too much on, like, setting up their smart trainer, and I have to hold 300 watts because the smart trainer's held me here to it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's not going to happen in a race. Yeah. So, you know, um, yeah. but it has its place you know that kind of stuff you have that technology side versus simplicity and merging the two is quite the art side of endurance sports and coaching and racing like in your coaching now would you say you take like a scientific approach or would you lean more towards that simplicity or tell us a bit about your coaching style uh, that's a balancing act like it's kind of a a bit of a that's an art in itself is kind of like not being too data heavy so mm-hmm. like sort of from an athlete's perspective right i'm i'm not a big data person i always mm-hmm. train like a lot of, just a lot of time off heart rate a little bit of power or how i feel um and i kind of would coach that way and you know do sessions on how you feel but from like my academic background like i'm very much data heavy as a physiologist mm-hmm. so i suppose as a coach like kind of how i work it is in the background like i'll be doing all the analysis and I'll be going through all the data and planning training sessions and weekly sessions and mm-hmm. periodizing all very specifically. But then when it comes to coaching the athlete, it's very much just get to know the athlete and um, coach them for who they are and don't mm-hmm. really overcomplicate the sessions. Like, um, yeah. cause like smart trainers at the minute are, I hate them. Like she as a coach, like piss me off sometimes. Like you plan a session and then the smart trainer ends up faffing about and it, it doesn't work. And they're like, oh, the session's done. I can't do any more. It's ruined. I said, yeah. oh, like, you don't have to use the erg mode. Like, you can go yeah. off how you feel. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and people want specific power outputs when it's really like, you know, just go off how you feel sometimes. Do you know what I mean? But so it's kind of getting that mix of the two. In the background, I would go more on my own, very data heavy. And when coaching, it would be very much sort of person centered. You yeah. know, that's my sort of approach. And like for an athlete, and obviously every athlete's different, you're going to have like, nearly you might be coaching elite athletes that all they do is train and recover or you're going to be coaching somebody that's full-time work and as a family and they're balancing that so every athlete's different but in terms of an athlete that might be like hung up on that data and stuff what would you advise in terms like because i think like a lot of athletes especially like age groupers like don't know how they feel they're letting their numbers tell them how they feel so how do you like come across how would you do that if you came across an athlete that he finds too reliant on the data uh it, that's a hard one like because some people there's some people i coach that their personality and their jobs are very much data driven so like they work well off the that kind of approach mm-hmm. but at the same time you still have to get it across to them that like you, you need to go off field sometimes yeah. um so like sessions i love throwing in for for people like is uh like a blind ride and like some of them hate it like you, you just send them out 
right? No Garmin, like no data, nothing. And I want you to write a certain sort of RPE of how you feel. And we're, I want you to record the session, mm-hmm. but don't look at the Garmin, have it taped out or something. Mm-hmm. And when we look at the data afterwards, um, or like just send them out on a blind ride with no no data or nothing. Um, and then it means like, say on race day, like if your Garmin dies on you yeah. in Ironman, and you're relying on that power data, like you need that, and that's all you've lived off for months mm-hmm. in training. If that goes, like, what are you gonna do? Do you yeah. know what I mean? So, um, like, it sort of depends on the person. Some people do like really need the data, so you kind of you have it in there, but you also take that wee bit of approach where take it away from them every so often, you yeah. know, um, and let them sort of learn from themselves how to train without it as well, you know. Yeah, and like when you're when you're dealing with athletes, it might be, as you say, like family and work and just balance, squeezing in versus an elite that you can throw nearly as much training as you can at them. How do you do that as the reduced hours? How do you overcome that? Or is it, is it really specific on the individual? How would you approach uh, that? It's sort of just the same philosophy with everyone regardless of your background it's like keep it simple keep it consistent that's mm. the the basics um and so in terms of like sort of making it specific to each person it's kind of finding out like um you know starting out small for someone who works a full-time job um, and has family and, and you know they've got kids and everything it's finding out okay when can you train in a week and we'll we'll maybe plan for half of that and we'll keep going till we find the limit we find the limit of what training they can balance without feeling too tired without losing quality without losing time with their family mm-hmm. we'll kind of pull it back a bit do you know what i mean so it's just to honestly it's kind of like a like a puzzle as well like you've got to put all these pieces in the right place and it takes time like it doesn't happen overnight but yeah. as long as you're always keeping it simple yeah and you aim for consistency like then you'll be successful like that's just literally that's just um yeah. straightforward as that like you know yeah i think if you're avoiding injury and you're avoiding illness and avoiding time off training and you just do a consistent block of training for a period of seven, eight, nine, ten months, you're going to come on the race ah, season in good shape. You're flying like, um, exactly. As you say, it's nothing fancy and depends, I suppose, on the athlete because even within a few athletes that I coach, like as a group, we have the same schedule. Like we had trainers a group, five or six of us, and we have the same like schedule, but there's different jobs within there. There's different um like few of them manually work, a few of us aren't manual workers. So there's different yeah. like things there, like of there's different based off like testing that we do. Some like might need more threshold effort, some might need more aerobic work. So it's like a general like thing, but there's just slight slight changes session to session and like i would say 80 percent of the sessions are just the same but uh, it's just them slight tweaks just to get what what picks nah, exactly up. it takes time you know what i mean it's just finding like some weeks will be rubbish some weeks mm-hmm. will be great um but it's just finding what works for you do you know what i mean mm-hmm. um you're not gonna have the same program as anyone else like it's gonna be different so um like you just gotta be patient with it keep it simple mm-hmm. and consistent and you'll be you'll be flying like as a as a coach, James, do you, do you ever encounter any difficult athletes in terms? Of, when I want to say difficult. I mean, just like arseholes. <laughs> nah, nah, like just, them, I. nah, just in terms of um, 
like when you it's not always a bad thing because even like some younger athletes I work with like it's just trying to get in the same wavelength and they might do like something that they think's right and they might do like ah oh, I was feeling good so I done two extras and I'm like no don't <laughs> we have this tomorrow or something like that and how do you get that relationship with athletes where you can like trust them and they trust you uh well i suppose i like i was that athlete do you know what i mean like when shannon started coaching me when i was younger like i don't know yeah. how many times he was telling me to back it off like i, I just wasn't listening and um, so time. uh sorry to interrupt you but i mean just as you say uh, that <laughs> we had an easy day out in that at camp oh uh, yeah. and i think <laughs> that's right the easy we had an easy 90 minutes and I think we've done yeah. 85 minutes easy. And uh, just five months from home, there was like a half an hour climb that we turned off. We should, we should have went that left. Was all, down uh, hill that hill. was Big Sean. We turned that right and went up a 30-minute climb. And you and Mark and Sean raced it. I just rode it steady, I think, because it was probably too fucked. That was brutal. <laughs> no, that was, <laughs> just, a, that was not an easy climb. That was the uh, tough climb. Like, that was a good 30 minutes solid climbing like that was brutal absolutely it wasn't it wasn't recovery so i'd say we've both been on that the other end of that um but then as coaches you sort of that's not what you want you want nah it's it's just kind of i think it's educating the athletes do you know what i mean on what they need to be doing like so i'm sort of doing monthly sort of webinars with all my athletes now um, mm-hmm. sort of educating them on stuff that they need to know so like this next one I'm kind of preparing the next presentation at the minute it's on just the basic principles of training so like we're going to go into pay, like sort of polarized training and, and why we do what we do and yeah like my aim is to give them evidence of like if you do training at this intensity like at low intensity or whatever you know these adaptations if you go away from that and you do too much high intensity these will be your you, know, you won't get these adaptations yeah. so I think it's just educating them um and giving them the sort of um knowledge and then they can go off on their own and, and yeah. they know that the boring 45 minute run that they're doing at an easy intensity it has a purpose yeah. you know what i mean so um, really it's just good. giving them that kind of purpose that's you know? good so they're they're on the same page as you then so when you send through Aye, training exactly. they're not saying i wonder what this is for like they're on the same wavelength Actually, when they're asking, they understand like, oh, flip, that's another you know like another easy bike on a Wednesday, an easy run on Tuesday. I don't want to do that. I'm not train mm. harder. But like when you give them that, you know, kind of education kind of stuff and that, you know, that kind of, they, they're on, like you say, they're on the same page as you. Do you know what I mean? Um, okay. So, uh, I know it helps. Like, yeah. And I'm just remembering as well, probably another time that I don't think would be highly advisable now from a coaching perspective is there was a race in Longford, a national I think it was a, don't think it was a national champs, but it was a national series, super series race. Um, mm. a few for a few years, Ireland had like a super series draft legal, uh, draft legal, it was, it was exciting yeah. because, like, as you say yourself, your first experience was, was abroad. And for me, like, I didn't have any, there's no draft legal race in the first few years, and then you there's yeah. an opportunity, so it was really exciting. and um draft legal and everyone was at them it was always high quality uh, races but we're in longford and I think you were entered and i was chatting to you the week before and you're like nah i can't go i'm sick so sick all last uh, week and i've been I just, well i hadn't been well for like a month before just been really um tired that was after i think the italy training camp 
mm. off the back of national champs and trained flat out for it and then I was feeling a bit tired off the back of it I think in the lead up to it so and, and uh, I was absolutely not doing it yeah <laughs> so hey you weren't doing it and that was a story and I had booked uh, an Airbnb in the wee town Longford and was down the night before and uh, I think there was a few other people staying in the house as well from the Northwest Triathlon Club and whatever was getting ready for bed night before the race like 10 o'clock and I get a text from you <laughs> saying <laughs> I know. I'm I'm just about to leave uh Lamavada here. I'll be down in about four or five hours to Longford. Have you a spare bed? And I was like, because I think I offered you earlier in the week. Did you want a room in the house or something? Uh, and like, no, I'm I think not you going. Had, so yeah. I give it to someone else. And then I was like, shit, he's going. I looked, just hadn't looked under the bed and there was a mattress. I was like, there's a mattress under my bed here. You can come down and Thing. I think you arrived at um it's probably like three in the morning or something I think something like it was pretty late Emma Joe let me in I think you were up uh, it's like don't text me uh, text Emma Joe because I'm going to be sleeping because uh, you were racing I woke uh, up I woke up anyway to you coming on at three in the morning lie down in the mattress few hours sleep and then we raced next morning and I think you had a class race and came fourth and I came probably I did alright or last or something <laughs> so I wouldn't moral, recommend it like moral as well I was just going to say the moral of the story just decide to do a race the night before and you'll come fourth and if you plan i know for exactly it, nah if you plan for um, it for weeks you'll, flying, like like... Me, you'll come last <laughs> <laughs> but, know, um, uh, an, another night, like... funny story that you didn't tell your they were your parents were down the race the I, your dad my was dad doing was doing well. the swim run you know swim bike and i was like uh you didn't I'll just tell not them. tell and they were in a hotel and they they didn't have a spare bed so yeah like i actually couldn't have stayed with them um so that's why i text you and then showed up the next day um i was setting up transition and i saw steve delaney and i was like yeah steven wants to crack chad to him set up the bike and then uh i was planning not to say anything to my parents you know and do the race see yeah. if they noticed me racing like i don't know why like it's not be funny and then uh steven then saw my dad i was like oh i was chatting to james and he's like what james at home he's up in Derry. like what's he he's not down here and then i uh, surprised him like it's good crack <laughs> oh that was good good fun but um no, nah, I probably wouldn't recommend it for anyone. I think no, nah, absolutely not. You're a bit nah. special in terms of that. They decide to do that, <laughs> drive forward nah. all night and get up and race. Special is right. But um, so I know you're hoping to kick off when these restrictions lift. Uh, your new, you see it there in the top for anyone watching. New Meta coaching. Mm-hmm. They got your, new Meta. Your new mm-hmm. um rebrand and your coaching your coaching side of things and you're starting vo2 max testing is that right so yeah tell us yeah, about so, that and who would benefit from it and maybe somebody listening yeah, might be so interested well number one it's for anyone um like i mean if you're swimmer cyclist runner triathlete like rower um like uh sort of anything like crossfit anything like that there you'll mm-hmm. sort of for you so like with my masters and stuff and physiology and metabolic testing, like that's my, that's what I've done. It's my sort yeah. of bread and butter. And in that time, you're always testing people in the lab, right. Mm-hmm. Using metabolic analysis. Um, and it's always been available to elite athletes. Like I've only ever tested university students. So people in your class or, um, elite athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now, like I've actually bought my own metabolic analysis, um, bit of equipment, um, and uh and just offering metabolic analysis to like anyone can do it now do you know what i mean it's yeah. one of those one of those services that are like 
you get so much for it. And it's always been available to elite athletes to help them get to the next level. Whereas now, if you're just the average person doing triathlon, like the benefits you can get from it are so much greater than, um, mm-hmm. you know, someone who's an elite athlete, you know what I mean? So um, I pretty much whenever restrictions lift, whenever that may be, I'll be ready to go. So if you're looking, you know, a VO2 max test or a rest and metabolic test or anything, just um, book a wee test. And they can know. find out information that James on uh, your website, what's that? Uh, so new meta coaching um dot com um, and a link a link to this in the description and stuff in the show notes uh, as well and um, instagram and facebook and all that and uh, so there's sort of there's two tests kind of you offer there's a metabolic test so like with that that's the actual exercise part for cycling mm-hmm. um, or running and uh from that we work out your cardiovascular respiratory and musculoskeletal strengths and weaknesses so like we'll go into great depth in terms of like literally how much oxygen you breathe in and out in each breath the pressure of that air yeah um like we'll look at your cardiovascular strengths and weaknesses the ratio of like vo2 to heart rate we'll look at vo2 max we'll look at carbohydrate and fat oxidation like yeah. the, it's the gold standard you know yeah. of determining your fuel use and um, and, and then rest of metabolic tests as well and could you explain for anyone listening that's not sure because i think a lot of people associate a vo2 max test like a number how high can i get my view to max and it's like a an ego thing of who's got high view to max which really overall isn't like the limiting it's or pretty the pointless like determining factor but the, the uh, things you mentioned there in terms of carbohydrate fat oxidation how important can that be for someone say planning nutritional strategy or getting training zones for an ironman half ironman like how would it benefit yeah. someone that position? oh it's like it's it's like i say it's the gold standard like you can't get any better than it so mm. um so with this test right we'll work out your training zones and we'll work it out it's not based off of an equation like if you get a test i'll show you literally where each zone starts and finishes and why it starts and finishes there mm-hmm. um so you'll be training like you couldn't you can't train more accurately um if you're someone who's struggling with like nutrition and fueling on the bike and you're bonking after a couple of hours on the bike like if we do a test and we find that you're burning say a lot of carbohydrate that there you go that's why you're bonking so we've got to then adapt your training to increase fat oxidation mm-hmm. so essentially like you're not training blind anymore do you know what i mean yeah. like there's no more thinking i need to do this or do i do that or i read in the magazine that i should do this mm-hmm. it's like oh, i did this test and literally i'm weak from a respiratory point of view or from a fueling point of view like do you know what I mean like there's there's no more training blind yeah and um, so like if you're someone who's new to the sport or looking to get a little bit better like it's be up there with one of the best investments yeah. you can make in my opinion I know that's biased but like genuinely like it, yeah. it is you know yeah. and I'm sure like, that's backed up across thousands and thousands of science papers and literature research uh, like, and stuff so it's not you know the elite yeah. athletes are doing it there's countless research papers out there for it do you know what i mean yeah um, like the evidence is there like it's it's so beneficial yeah and it's um it's like people can actually use the the data and they can use the it's not because people see as you say magazines websites instagram oh pro does this i've seen a video of such and such doing this session i'm going to do it but maybe these elite athletes have worked out what sessions they need for them for their race mm-hmm. specific race coming up and you copying that isn't necessarily going to get you fit 
you could need. Yeah, exactly. You could need, and based off the test and the VO2 max test, and you provide, you can see exactly where your weaknesses are. You might need, right. not need to do more harder work. You might need to do more endurance work, depending on your risk coming up. So, um, definitely check. No, nah, like it sort of goes back to like you know we were chatting earlier about like how do you plan training for someone who's elite and someone who's working yeah. a job and finding what works for them. So like if you're someone who's working like a job and you've got all these different things going on and you've got a different background coming into triathlon and different goals and whatever else, like you are not going to have the same training as anyone. Like it's going to be different. Yeah. So you come in for a metabolic analysis. Like I will literally pinpoint to you if you've got a respiratory limitation and whether that's a like a capacity. So if it's you just can't breathe in enough. So you mm -hmm. need to increase your volumes that you breathe in that rest mm -hmm. or if it's a capability problem. So like if you're not breathing in enough during exercise, mm -hmm. if you're not burning the right fuels, like, you know, the, there's so much you can work out. Um, and like, like it just, it just means that no matter who you are, like you'll, it, you'll have the most individualized training plan possible. You know, yeah. you'll know exactly what to do um, and regardless gonna, of your background. That's just going to take you in an upward progression i, I don't see gonna, a negative from it do you know yeah. what i mean like you're only going to get better you yeah. know so and, no, that's great. Um, like, so definitely anyone that's interested check it out i'll put the link in the description in the show notes and you can check check out james's website there and um he's a he's a good guy so definitely Cheers, check him out if you're if you're interested so james thanks a million for coming on um I think we've used up enough of your time. I appreciate uh, I think people uh, are sick of listening to me if they're still listening. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on. No, it was very interesting uh, from your coaching perspective, uh, your time as uh, and continuing time as an athlete, and your perspective on that, and about a crack and a few stories in there as well. So, um, thanks very much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. Cheers. Thanks, James. Cheers. So, show's over, everybody. Thanks for listening, and thanks to James for coming on, sharing his experiences, his coaching advice. Hopefully, you get some value from that and can use it in your own training to improve your own performance. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review. Please let us know what you think, and share it on to somebody who you think will enjoy and benefit from as well. That would mean a lot. We will be back next Wednesday. Another great guest lined up. And the next couple of weeks, we've got some really great guests. So looking forward for you to hear them. Stay tuned. See ya.